Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Volume. The 3 and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. This is going to be the last podcast of the week, and here's the plan. I'm flying out uh, Thursday morning back to Northern California, and then I'm flying back to Scottsdale on Tuesday morning. We will not have a podcast during that time. So this will be the last podcast until next Wednesday. I'll record one on Tuesday. We'll obviously have a lot of information, playoff teams, lead up to some of these big bowl games, a lot going on. So basically, Thursday through Monday, no more podcasts, and then we will have one on, we'll record on Tuesday. It'll be out on Wednesday. I think my plan is to go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so maybe three podcasts, just back to back to back, because then obviously we have New Year's and there won't be anything next weekend. Then we'll be reacting the following week uh, for week 18 of the NFL and some of the playoff games and everything else going on in the football world. Subscribe to the podcast, Three and Out Podcast. Greatly appreciate everyone that has. If you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to my feed. Thank you very much. Appreciate you at the volume. Also, follow us on YouTube, Volume's YouTube page. Uh, looks like it's doing pretty well. You, you can find my stuff, Colin, Sherman, Darius Slay, y- you name it. A L- lot of people up and at them. Basically, something for everyone up there. Uh, any other housekeeping things? Middlecoff Mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Maybe I'll try to... Firing a couple mailbag questions here at the end. Stucky as well. We had him on earlier this week to get some gambling content. And yeah, let's uh, let's enjoy the next couple of days. Give out some presents. Uh, have some booze. Watch some football. Enjoy the fam. But let's start with a story I saw today, which I think is pretty fascinating. And if you've been listening to me for a while, you know where I stood on Amazon getting Thursday Night Football. Adapter die. Like, hey, listen, this this isn't 2012. If you're bitching and moaning about streaming, I, I don't know what to tell you. And if you were one of the people like Amazon brought, like you don't have Amazon. Well, are, you, are you living in a third world country? Like I, I don't know one human being, including my 75 year old mother who doesn't utilize Amazon, let alone know how to utilize Amazon Prime. It's gone very well. Now, when it comes to YouTube and YouTube TV, I have experience. When I moved to Scottsdale, I became a cord cutter. And in my office, several TVs, I went with YouTube TV. And uh, I've been using it now since whenever I moved into these, this office, early September. And it is very, very easy to use. <laughs> like, honestly, doesn't get any easier. So to me, the transition, people bitching and moaning about Fox, CBS, and, you know, I, I just can't listen to people that are anti-streamers. Because here's the reality. Anyone under like 60 should be able to seamlessly figure it out. And anyone over 60, I'll give you a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but all these people have children. All these people have neighbors. If they want to watch football, and a lot of people do, they'll figure it out, and it won't be that difficult. It might cost you another $20 to improve the speed of your internet. Well, <laughs> so be it. You know, I, 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 Me personally, I, I think YouTube TV is the way to go. Uh, I, I have been blown away by not, how, not only how easy it is to use, uh, and I've had friends that told me over the years, like, bro, you should get on it. And I've just hesitated. And then obviously this, uh, when I moved into this office in Scottsdale, I was like, why, why don't I try it? And I, I can't like it anymore. So when I saw this, I was very excited. Now, it has been clear for a while that the NFL was going to transition either to Amazon, to Apple. Uh, I, I honestly hadn't read, not that I'd read too deep into it. I just assumed that it was going to go to Amazon or Apple. 
So I would put YouTube, Google in that category. And I think it's going to be fantastic. These companies are built to operate these type things. And this is the first year I've ever got Sunday Ticket. And my take on Sunday Ticket is for the iPad, it's awesome. And for the phone, very easy to use. But when I have to use it on my television, and those of you that are Sunday Ticket users know, you have to have like the Roku or the Fire Stick to be able to watch four games at once on your television. I don't have that. I just have the app on my, you know, basically bottom screen that I go to, like I pass YouTube TV and I go to Sunday Ticket, and I can only watch a game at a time. So I have to pick if I want to watch it on my television. Where on my my devices, I can have the four boxes. I guarantee you that YouTube will have the ability and you're not going to need some external application to watch six, eight games at once. I I I can't wait. Uh to me this is a no-brainer and I just have absolutely zero time to hear anyone complain about it being on streaming. Um, I, I think it's a no-brainer move for the league, and uh, they continue to dominate and print money. $2.5 billion a year, probably an easy deal for them to sign. From a football, on-the-field football perspective, there was a story yesterday. I didn't see the story uh, on Aaron Rodgers and his hand signals. Well, if you were watching the Monday Night Football game, there was the play toward the end of the game where he did like you know, he he goes over from his elbow to the bottom of his hand, a lot like a Major League Baseball, you know, third base or first base coach would do. And clearly, Christian Watson either didn't see it or didn't know what it meant. Aaron Rodgers threw it to the dirt, and Christian Watson went to block. And I either the next day or maybe it was the day before, there was an article that came out with players on the record, former players like Sammy Watkins, Jordan Love, who leads the hand signal, uh, I guess, meetings, as, as Roger said to Pat McAfee, and then other young players like Romeo Dobbs just talking about it's a difficult process, not something we look forward to. It's very, very hard with the hand signals to get on the same page as Aaron Rodgers. And then Aaron Rodgers said on Pat McAfee, the whole thing was bullshit. It was a big nothing burger, 95% of it was made up, even though it was players on the record, current and former, all basically reiterating the same thing. Not easy to figure out. And like one thing now we have concrete evidence when it comes to Tom Brady, who is 45 years old, high achiever, alpha, crazy, detail-oriented when it comes to his offense, and Aaron Rodgers, a 38-year-old, all-time great player, intellectual elite, they are very, very, very difficult for younger players to operate with. And for whatever, we don't have specific reasons all the time with Tom. Sometimes it's just he doesn't trust very easy. Two, the offense was very complicated. With Rodgers, he's not always easy to deal with. He feels very, very comfortable with older players, i.e. Randall Cobb. Then he does, you know, kind of putting young players under his wing. Tom, same thing. And I, I think... Anyone that's older knows that the longer you're in a certain profession and the longer that you, and when I say master, obviously all of us don't master to the level level Tom or Aaron masters their craft, but the longer you do something, if you've been selling real estate now for 20 years, you've been through multiple recessions, multiple highs, like you've seen a lot. So unless you're an extremely patient person, like I know for, for me, I'm not, I'm not very patient. But I've had to actively think now that I'm involved in the volume and it's not just me and one person, maybe it's me and five other people dealing with a lot of people, I have to communicate better and it's still something that I actively work on. And anyone who's listening to this, like I said, the real estate example, the more and more younger people that that work under you or that you have to deal with or you work with, it takes, you have to be very conscious of how to work with them or else it's going to be not very seamless. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be lines of communication that are just lost. And I think it's difficult for older players, obviously Tom and Aaron, to like realize sometimes when they're communicating to another player, it makes perfect sense in their mind. It might, to that younger player, be like they're speaking Chinese. I remember Gronkowski, I forget where he was talking. Oh, it was the shop. And uh, I, I've never watched the shop, but it was a clip that came into my Twitter feed years ago. And Tom and Gronk was basically talking like Gronk sometimes had to look at Tom and be like, bro, 
you know this offense better than like Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. When you're telling this first or second year player what to do, they don't understand. You, you have to be easy on them. And it was very, very difficult for Tom to understand. Just like with Aaron, this story about the hand signals, like it was clear when you were watching Monday Night Football that in Aaron's mind, when he did that signal, he 100% knew exactly what it was. Clearly, Christian Watson had no fucking clue. Honestly, that signal might have meant nothing to him. Honestly, it could have meant the opposite. But regardless, the hand signals and Rodgers are, are not resonating with these young players and are intimidating. Because when you're a younger player, think about this. If you're if you're Garrett Wilson with the New York Jets, one, you don't even like your other young quarterback, but you're not worried about earning uh, Zach Wilson's respect, right? All you're obsessed with is learning your craft, figuring out what your coaches want, and then it's on Zach Wilson to figure it out, like get you the ball. Where when you're Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, years ago, Nikhil Harry, whoever dealing with Tom, dealing with Aaron Rodgers, you're really fighting two battles. You're trying to earn the respect of your position coach and your head coach and your offensive coordinator, and you're trying to earn the respect of the Hall of Fame quarterback. Anyone who's been new to a job knows like it's it's difficult. There are pressures. You're trying to get to know everyone. You're trying to figure out the hierarchy of the company. And then obviously, whoever your boss is, you know, whoever your superior is, you're you're trying to impress them. Well, in most jobs, you don't have multiple superiors, like you answer to one guy. Well, as a young receiver or young skill guy playing for Rodgers or playing for Brady, you're it's kind of a double whammy because you view the coach or the coordinator, whoever the guy is calling the offense. And then Tom or Aaron as kind of equals. So it's like, God, I got two guys that are in my ass 24-7, 365. And the more and more that you, it's just natural for young guys to get a little tight in some of these situations when you feel the pressure coming down from you from multiple people, it's easy to see why this doesn't always work. And like, I, I get why Aaron uh, in his mind thinks like he's easy to deal with because most of us feel once we start to figure out what we're doing, we understand it. And this is why like, I, I could never have been a coach. I, I'm not a good teacher. I don't have the patience. Well, part of being a good coach is you have to have patience. Part of being an older vet, and ultimately Aaron needs Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Like It, it behooves him for them to know what's going on. So even if he's not patient and thinks that it takes too long for them to learn, he better figure it out because if they want to make a playoff push, they better get on the same page. And this hand signal thing is clearly a uh, a bumpy roller coaster. I yesterday on uh, on the Instagram streets was DMing back and forth with, I think it was a Patriot fan, just kind of going that this guy reached out and said that he thought Bill was kind of getting unfairly, you know, dragged through the mud in the situation of obviously he lost Tom Brady, you know, the greatest player arguably in the history of the league let alone probably like a top five athlete ever. And he just went through the list of coaches from Josh McDaniels to Flores, to just all the guys over the years, Ernie Adams, his right-hand guy, not with the Patriots since they were like 20 years old. And it's hard to overcome that. And I, I don't disagree that part of Bill Belichick's downfall is he's lost basically every coach he's ever had, right? Except Patricia and Judge who had to come storming back. But it's, you get to a point where Bill has hung his hat, like on the way he structured his coaching staff, which is basically his organizational chart, is he found guys in their early to mid-20s, he paid them little to nothing, and he taught them everything, and then they worked their way up. From Pioli to Casario to Flores to Dayball to Josh to you know Patricia, you, you name it. And they learned the secret sauce to a point. Obviously, Bill didn't teach him everything. But he could then place them at all his position coaches, his coordinators, and he felt very comfortable. He got to teach them everything they needed to know. And one thing he's always struggled to do is go outside the family and hire people that a running back coach from another team, hire a defensive coordinator from college, things that basically every other coach does. And listen, I've known a few really, really rich guys that I that are older, and I would say they are very, very stubborn. And the last thing they're going to do is adapt and truly change in their 70s. That, that's not the way it works. And in fairness to them, to get super, super rich, for the most part, 
you know, in your 70s, you have done things that have been very, very successful. So part of your the reason you're at where you're at, and Bill is 70 years old, is because of everything he did in his 40s, 50s, and 60s. So in his mind, why the fuck is he going to change? Here's the problem, though. He doesn't have a choice. If he doesn't change, his career is going to end, and it's going to be pretty ugly, right? And, and ugly for his standards. He's such a good coach. He's never going to have you know, some three or four win season. But struggling to get the seven seed in his mind, is probably pretty embarrassing. That game last week, blowing it on special teams, getting a punt block, having the final play is the most unpatriot-like. Honestly, that was the most unpatriot-like game you'll ever see. And I think that Bill, like look at Andy Reid, for example, who, like Bill, has taken a lot of young coaches over the years and taught them the ropes, started them on the lowest level. His personal assistant. Sean McDermott started once upon a time. Brett Veach started once upon a time as the assistant to the head coach. He's taken quality control guys like Doug Peterson over the years and worked their way up to become coordinators. But he also goes outside the family. Eric Bieniemy hadn't worked with Andy. He had been a running back coach for the Minnesota Vikings. He had been an offensive coordinator for the Colorado Buffaloes. And he just hired him. Dave Tobe, who had been the special teams coach for the Chicago Bears forever. These are type hires that built that. Now, he'll bring Matt Nagy back, Steve Spagnola back, but the defensive coordinator currently at LSU is the former linebacker coach for the Kansas City Chiefs for the last three or four years when they've been really good. You know where he got that guy? He got him from the University of Kentucky because he was their linebacker coach and a good coach. Like he is not afraid to hire people from outside the box. Pete Carroll. Does the same thing, brings guys up, but he's also, who's his offensive coordinator right now? He got him from the Rams. And if you're not willing to do that, because you're going to get to the point, especially Bill, you you don't have the time to just find all these guys that are 23 years old, and then in, in five years, they turn into the next Josh McDaniels or the next Brian Flores. Time's not on your side. So obviously, one of the big pushes this offseason is going to be, Matt Patricia can't be your offensive coordinator. Because I still feel very confidently by saying no other team could have pulled that off. No Power 5 college program and definitely no NFL team. I'm not saying you couldn't hire Matt Patricia. I'm not even saying you couldn't make him your defensive coordinator. He had been the defensive coordinator for teams that went and won the Super Bowl. He had worked under Bill Belichick for over a decade. His resume was impressive. Even if his head coaching was a joke, you could make him your coordinator. I, I would have had no, no one could argue with that. We could then when the season went on, argue how good he is as a coordinator, but he's a defensive guy. To make him your offensive coordinator after a year for basically just replacing Ernie Adams is insanity. But in Bill's mind, well, why wouldn't I take a guy who I've trained and then turn him into this role? No other coach would have done that. And for the most part, Bill is right a lot more than he's wrong. And that's the reason that they've had a lot of success because you can argue with me all you want about like the importance of Tom and it was all Tom. Like, come on, man. I'm not obviously Tom played an enormous role. And I don't know what the pie chart is, build the Tom, but I'm 38 years old. So basically, when their reign started, I was 18 ish and watched 20 plus years because they were on, even living on the West Coast, you're getting five or six of their regular season games in prime time. And then obviously, all their playoff games. Even if you're not a Patriot fan, we've all watched, I would say on average, seven Patriot games a season over decades. And they hung their hat. Their point of difference, beside Tom, who was the greatest quarterback ever, obviously was clutch. And in a weird way, this is going to sound like I'm diminishing. I'm not trying to. The greatest game manager we've ever seen. He will just do whatever it takes on that drive to move the ball and score touchdowns. But their coaching staff hung their hat on outthinking you out detailing you, making moves that you did not see coming over decades. And they're not doing that anymore. Like, what is their point of difference? Like, what is Amazon's point of difference? Well, I can go shop on their website and they deliver it to me in at most 48 hours. Their efficiency is unmatched. What's Apple's point of difference? Their their products are elite. I'm talking into an Apple uh, Mac or a Mac. I have an Apple, I, I have an iPhone, I have an iPad. They all work flawlessly. Just an elite product. I'm wearing Nike shoes. What's Nike's? You can argue they're, you know, actually they had a good day on the stock market today. 
like what's Nike's point of difference? It's not their products. Their products actually aren't that great. Their marketing. In my life, their marketing far and away, they're the best marketed company, I'd argue, in my life. Uh, now, is that sustainable? It's going to be hard over time, right? There's only so many Michael Jordans, only so many Tiger Woods, but for 35 plus years, no one marketed better than Nike. Hell, I just watched the Pepsi documentary. Pepsi and Coke, Pepsi, th- these companies, marketing was huge. Well, Belichick hung his hat on details and coaching and Tom Brady. And now he obviously doesn't have Tom Brady and the details and coaching are slipping. So he's either going to, and here's going to be the hard part, even if he was willing to go outside the family, which I think would be very, very difficult for him to acknowledge it's time to do. What coach who is good and has options would want to go to Bill? And I was always told this when I worked in the business, the reason guys would scout and you know, kind of get their foot in with Bill, they didn't. New England didn't pay much, uh, you know, for like scouts and definitely young assistant coaches relative to the rest of the league. You were guaranteed to win, and then you guaranteed to win, you become a bigger name, and then you make more money with other teams. Well, now you're not guaranteed shit because part of the reason people are hesitant is like, well, you're going to win there. Bill's a miserable dude, man. He's not. You know, this is not a fun work environment. Now, you could argue football in general is not the funnest place to be. But like Nick Saban, same thing. Not a fun work environment. But you know what? You're guaranteed to go to Alabama. The shittiest season you're going to have is going to be 10 and 2. And more than likely, every single year, you're going to be in the playoffs. And what's going to happen after a year or two? You're going to get promoted another place. You're going to become a head coach. You're going to go back to the NFL. You're going to go cha-ching. And I think for the first time these last couple of years, like, I wonder, even if he was willing, building's a little toxic. I'm not saying the end is near, uh, but it's it, it's kind of weird. Uh, I guess not weird, because like I said earlier this week, this is how it usually ends, but it's kind of sad. You know, it, it, it really is. And uh, last but not least, I, I saw this story. I, a lot of people have talked about it, and I even talked a little bit about it the other day about Drake May being offered... Uh, I, I guess I didn't know the number. I just said Mac Brown had acknowledged that teams were calling. And then Pat Narduzzi came out and said that he had heard that multiple teams had offered $5 million. And ultimately, my take on, I, I said it the other day, it's pretty, it's capitalism. I have no problem with it. Like, now my other take is if I was in the business, either as a coach, as an athletic department, or as some of these boosters, I would have no problem cutting checks to transfer players who I know are good and are going to be plug-and-play players. Last year, remember, USC went and got Jordan Addison, Caleb Williams. Both those guys come in, kick-ass, take names. If you were able to get Drake May, boom, immediate plug-and-play starter. If you're Georgia, if you're Alabama, if you're Ohio State, you're competing for a national championship immediately. And the transfer people, I would, if I had to allocate my resources, because most of these programs do not have unlimited resources, I would not be in the business of giving astronomical amounts of money to recruits. I would, I'd I'd probably go like the 80-20 rule. 80% of my resources are going to be allocated into transfers. Now, it's risky because a guy's transferring for a reason. Because you saw a couple years ago, DJ Ungulele. When he went to Clemson, well, I got news for you. It was before NIL. He got paid a lot of money. But once NIL started, Dr. Pepper gave him a shitload of money. He's terrible. He's not. He's an average player at best. I heard of a program who told him no. If I told you the program that told DJ no, you'd be like, are you serious? I'd be like, yeah, they do not want him. Not because they don't want the NIL stuff. He, he wants to come there and play. They don't want him. They don't think he's good enough. And I, I just think that the recruiting, all this money getting thrown around, I also think it's probably a little overplayed. Like, are all these recruits... Now, historically, I, this is what I've always thought about. The media was very disingenuous. People have always got brown bags. College athletes in basketball and football have always been paid to go to big-time schools. That's the way it works. And I never had a problem with it. But I always thought it was kind of a risky business. Because if you look, if you just pull up recruiting rankings for the last like 10 years... Just look at the top 10 recruits for the last 10 years. Some of them, you're going to be like, oh, this guy's in the NFL. This guy's killing it. Some guys, you'll be like, who the hell is that? I've never heard of that player. At least, like I said, when you're getting a transfer, you go, this guy started, has a bunch of tape at Auburn. I know he can play. This guy, Caleb Williams, I know he's sweet. 
this guy, Drake May, I saw him throw 40 touchdowns last year. It's it's very you have data, right? It's it's why the draft is so difficult. It's why so many draft picks miss. If Zach Wilson, instead of playing that year at BYU, had been playing for the Jags and then had to go in the draft, you'd probably have a better feel for how he would look in the NFL. But that's not the way it works. And I, I think what's going to be fascinating moving forward is the allocation of resources to this NIL. And there are going to be some stories of kids that are going to try to sue that aren't going to get their money. Because I know this, if I was a booster and I gave a bunch of money and then the kids stunk and then want to transfer, like those checks would stop. What's it going to do? Take me to court? Good luck. You really going to do that? You're going to get a lawyer? Doubt it. So I, I think this thing, I have no problem. Even kids that aren't in the transfer portal, it's the wild, wild west. Hell, I, I'm in the wild, wild west. I work on the internet. There aren't many rules on the internet. When my kids, who I'm sure will probably do some sort of business on the internet, there will be rules and regulations left and right. Just like in 10, 20 years with the transfer portal, there will be some rules. Because I've always said like coaches can leave whenever they want, but there are under contract. And if there's a buyout, the other team has to pay. There's no buyout. Like ultimately, if Drake May, let's just say Georgia, had offered him $5 million, wanted to enter the transfer portal, nothing UNC could do. Maybe there's some rules. If I'm paying you a certain amount of money, there's a buyout. I don't know. I, I don't have the answer. Uh, I honestly don't care that much because I kind of like the drama and the controversies that come and seeing the coaches uh, mad. It's clearly, there are certain things in life that deserve some rules and regulations and that they'll come. But it's just It's just natural. But you could also argue like, the college football, like the NFL, very clear umbrella of what works, what who's under contract, why coaches can't leave, why players can't leave. When you're a draft pick, a first-round pick, you get a fifth-year option. You're a second-round pick, it's only a four-year contract. There are just no rules in college football. And when you just get lawless, no rules, sometimes certain cities in America could feel like that, all hell can break loose, right? When there are rules... At least someone has to follow something. Now, what's fair and what's not fair? You know, we could both sides are going to have arguments on that. But anything in the infancy, there's a learning process and a curve. And uh, I'm just fascinated to watch it play out. I love the transfer portal, and like I said, I would, I would allocate my cash to transfer kids. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats. That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 
21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Okay, a little early this week because of uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, hopefully everyone's doing well. My man Stucky, who, you know, I got a bad break because when we recorded last week, we thought uh, Mike White was going to you know, battle through seven broken ribs and, and a broken abdomen, but he was ruled out. And Zach Wilson, who I, I give you the benefit of the doubt, Stucky, you never would have bet on Zach Wilson, um, even though they took a late lead uh, in that game. But, you know, Zach Wilson's always going to Zach Wilson. It's clearly his teammates, especially his wide receivers, do not like him. Uh, and it feels like we're recording this on Wednesday. They're going to have to roll with Zach Wilson again. That sucks. I mean, Zach Wilson's going to be the reason the Jets do not make the playoffs, in my opinion. 32-21-1 on the season. You can find Stucky, the Action Network, the Action Network podcast. Big bets on campus. College basketball's rolling right now. Uh, I, I saw Texas is seven right now, and their coach is you know, probably going to go to jail. Uh, so wild times in college hoops. Yeah, the, uh, the Jets game was annoying. I wouldn't have played it. I was shocked at the market. The market, so there was, man, I mean, it was Jets. I had some plus one on the Jets, and then it went to minus one and a half. Went as soon as Zach Wilson gets announced, goes to plus one and a half, as it should. He's a downgrade from Mike Way. And then it, they the Jets took really sharp money late in the week, and they closed like minus two and a half, which I was shocked by. Um, yeah, and I never would have played them. Some of the throws Wilson had in that game, just some of the inaccurate throws, an awful pick, one completion where he just basically threw it up in the air. Oh, then Garrett Wilson shoved the guy out and made the play. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just it, – it was awful. And, yeah, it's going to cost him a playoff spot. Uh, they could have still won that game, but he was probably the reason why they didn't win it. And uh, But, yeah, that's sometimes those are the the breaks that happen in the NFL. So we're on, we're on to – To me, what's crazy week. about him is how terrible he is at just the most basic football stuff, right? Like a wheel route. Just yep, a basic yep. slant route. He obviously, you know, made some defenders miss. He's pretty athletic. He's got a big arm, but he is terrible. Like third and seven, it's like, oh, this is going to be a punt before the play is even snapped. They got no shot. Yeah, even the great, the good plays that he did have, like he can buy time and he's mobile. But you know, some of the deep throws he had because he has some talented receivers. They were underthrown or just like chuck it up and a receiver makes a play. But yeah, in that offense, you have to complete short passes and. Into, you have to complete into the flats or slant. And he's just, um, as you said, is so bad at the littlest things. And uh, it's it's maddening to watch. And be curious to see what the Jets do in the offseason and next season. Is it Mike White? Do they try and go get a, a young quarterback, another veteran? So Because, look, they're, they're an up-and-coming team with a For lot sure. of talent on that roster. And, all the other places, that's just the missing piece. What's going to be Thursday night? I mean, if if Trevor, it's going to be harder. I mean, the Jets defense is good, but you know, obviously, quarterbacks don't go against each other in a game. But when you do watch two teams play, like you kind of get the feel of the two quarterbacks, how they snack up against each other, and that gap. I mean, it, it could be eye opening to the Jets fans. Like it, this could be it for Zach Wilson with the Jets after Thursday night. I think. Yeah, and especially, I mean, this Jacksonville is one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. So if he's not, you know, looking competent uh, or at least semi-competent on Thursday, and that the, a loss on Thursday is going to make it very tough for them to have any shot to make the playoffs. So, yeah, uh, prime time, Thursday night playoffs, playoff lives on the line, and he has a bad game that you might never see. Okay, let's again. dive into uh, some of the games this weekend. You know, they control their own destiny. Well, I guess they'd need Washington to lose a couple games, but the, the Packers feels like they, I mean, it doesn't feel they do have some life. 
They're playing Miami, who's lost several straight games to obviously three teams that are going to go to the playoffs. Uh, this game's in Miami. You know, Aaron's battling a little uh, signal controversy with his his guys crushing him, not knowing the signals. But I, AJ Dillon obviously left that game on Monday night. As of right now, who knows? I mean, he's a big part of kind of they've become a running team. Uh, but Dobbs and, and Watson are coming on. I I think the Packers could make a run. You know, I, I it wouldn't shock me if they win the next three games and you know get that seven seed. But obviously, this might turn out to be their toughest game. Uh, in, in Miami, depending on what happens, obviously with New England and and definitely the Jets Thursday night. Like, I mean, they they gotta start winning some games here, Stucky. So uh, th- th- this is a big game. Yeah, the the Packers, if they win this game, you know they're going to need some help, but it's not the, it's not the most it's not the craziest sequence of events that's required for them to make the postseason. And they have the Vikings and the Lions at home to finish out the year. Um, the one interesting thing about this game is that it's in Miami, but just like everywhere this upcoming weekend, it's going to be cold and there's going to be wind and. I think that really favors the Packers. It's going to be a 20 mile an hour winds, like 38, wow. 40 degrees. So it's not going to feel like a, a a game that's in Miami. And yeah, Packers are getting healthier now. Uh, it's a team that I've, I've talked about on the show all year. They've been pretty unlucky just on fourth downs in the red zone. They're able to move the ball consistently. Like their success rate's really high. They can run the ball. And you got Do- you got Romeo Dobbs back, which is why they cut uh sammy watkins and so they're i think bakhtiari should return this weekend and they had some injuries on the defensive side of the ball but they've kind of made some adjustments and are playing better on that end as well and their weakness still is their run defense but that's not you know miami's strength and if you can make miami a running team i think that that's really what you want to do and the packers have a great corner jerry alexander great pass defense and they really excel at defending over the middle of the field, which is what you want against this Mike McDaniel offense. So, yeah, I took the four points here. I think the Packers are trending in the right direction. Dolphins are trending the other way. I know they've played some good teams here, but they also, you know, before then played four of the worst defenses in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I think that this is a bit too many points. Uh, probably, to me, this is this going to be a field goal game either way. Well, this game probably going to be ice cold. <clears throat> New England hosting Cincinnati. Cincinnati probably, you know, you could argue the hottest team in the league, maybe beside Buffalo and or San, I guess San Francisco too. New England a- after that, you know, you could argue the one of the worst losses in the history of the sport. Not that they were going to win the game in overtime. Right? It wasn't they were guaranteed to win, but the when you lose like that, I just that's it, hard to shake. Uh, that they, you know. This is must-win territory for them. Now, I, I, they finish right Miami Jets so that they still get the opportunity to play those two teams depending on what happens to them so they could, you know, kind of, you know, claw their way back. I, I don't know, man. I I, I guess I probably would have ha- hammered Cincinnati in this game had New England won that game. You, you know, you guess it's a ki- kitchen sink game for New England. They, ha- they have to win, but goddamn, they look freaking terrible on offense. And, and the Raiders' defense is so terrible like I, I didn't think it was that impressive of a showing especially for the majority the first half they were awful uh, and it took a Derek pick six for them to get back in the game so it's not like Mac Jones threw three touchdowns um, I'd have a hard time putting money on uh, the Matt Patricia and Joe Judge led offense here with the New England Patriots yeah the co- the coaching uh, is a bit of a concern because I mean Bill some of the decisions he's making just from a game management standpoint, but most importantly, it's the play calling is just way off. And how do they recover from that kind of loss? It's an interesting question. The same thing with the Colts. Like, what what are the, the I mean, the Colts aren't playing for anything either, but when you blow a 33 nothing lead and lose, um, and you're out of the playoff hunt. Well, you, you see, Maddie, Maddie Ice got benched for Foles today. <laughs> yeah. It's, and they're like, who wants to come in on Monday and prepare for a meaningless game? And, so the preparation is tough, and uh, we'll see if if they show up. But, <clears throat> yeah, I took the three-and-a-half points here. I had Tampa last week, too, catching three-and-a-half at home against Cincy. I would make that bet again. I mean, there was – if you look at the – the I mean, Tampa outgained Cincy by 200 yards, averaged two – they held Cincinnati to 3.8 yards per play, 
And they just, I mean, they fumbled. They lost four fumbles. They had a, some, a fake punt in the second half that, on with Gio Bernard that really f- turned the game around. But the Bengals, I mean, look, the Bengals were like three and a half in Tampa last week. Now they're going on the road again. And now you're going to be dealing with lots of wind, freezing cold temperatures, which I obviously think benefits yeah. New England, who wants to be a running team. Um, so I think the wind is really going to help New England here. But I still have the Patriots as a better team overall than the uh, Buccaneers, who are just they, – they cannot cover a spread to save them up their lives. They're going to 1-11 against the spread. Um, I saw them slightly better. And, I mean, this – look, since he was minus one, he closed as a one-point favorite in Tennessee – I have New England better than Tennessee. They closed as a three. Actually, I think they closed at three. There was late money that came in on the Bucs, and now they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite just because they've covered so much. They're 11-1 they're and one against the spread in their last 12. They're 18-4 and four against the spread, including the postseason over their past 22 games. All Joe Burrow does is cover, but usually when that happens in the NFL, you start to get a little bit of inflated lines. And since he's dealing with a lot of injuries, like I, you know, the receivers aren't fully healthy, but they're, they, they played at least. We'll see if Hayden Hurst plays. But on the defensive side of the ball, you are, you know, you, you just lost Sam Hubbard. Now your defensive end. We'll see if Trey Henderson plays. Their defensive end who was out last week, broken wrist. He has a chance to play, uh, but he might not. And then they'll be down both of their starting defensive ends who are really important uh, on that defense. And then they have injuries in the secondary as well, which is one of the reasons they just weren't statistically great last week. They have the Bills on deck. They pretty, they've pretty much already clinched the playoff spot. Uh, second straight road game here. And then, look, New England still last week for as ugly as they look because Mac Jones looked awful. Uh, I think Stevenson still ran for like almost 200 yards. Since he's run defense has been a little shaky. And I think that's what this game is going to turn into because of the wins. I mean, uh, we'll see. You know, it's, it's Wednesday, so things can change. But yeah, from, if you look cold. at the forecast across the country, it should be, yeah, it's going to be freezing and then it's going to be 20 to 30 mile an hour wins. In Cleveland, you're going to get 25 to 35 an hour sustained winds with gusts in the 40s, maybe even the 50s, which is why that total is at 31 between the Saints and the Browns. So, yeah, low-scoring game obviously makes points more at a premium, and uh, the wind, I think, is going to hurt the Bengals more. I think they're just a tad overvalued here, so I grabbed the hook. Uh, with the home dog here in is thirty one the lowest total you remember? Yeah, there's there's there was some thirty. Uh, I'm trying to think thirty one. There was some thirty and a halfs. I think like in the early two thousands with like uh, some of the Bears teams that just had dominant defenses. Oh, with Lovey Smith and like Ron Rivera, no offense. Yeah, no offense at all. Great defense. And then it would be in Chicago late in the year with wind. Um, but this is, yeah, as, this is as low as you're going to see. I'd, I'd imagine that total in that Bills windstorm cold game against the Patriots finished pretty low, but 31, maybe mid-30s, 35 yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah, 35, 35 and a half. Yeah, 31 <laughs> is, is, I mean, seven. you're talking 17, 14, you're already I mean, there. There, there are crazy. some games probably that are approached that in a first half total, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, the game of the year, or, you know, game of the year would be strong. Going into probably the last month, we've been talking about this game for a while, and now the Cowboys shit the bed a little bit. You know, that was a pretty devastating loss that kind of changes their ability to potentially win this division even though statistically if philly will lose out and they win out they, they control their own destiny but philly's missing their quarterback it looks like the one thing with dallas their defense the last couple of weeks man you, you can just score on them, especially last week now trevor lawrence is obviously much better than gardner Minshew, but if you know one thing that i was going to like if jalen was in this game was athleticism being able to kind of avoid the pass rush and keep plays alive and then their secondary you can just kind of slice them dice them and A.J. Brown and Devontae are fucking monsters, and Goddard's back. Well, Minshew, it's been a little while, but, I mean, isn't that kind of his game, kind of running run around, scrambling around, slinging it? Now, who knows? He hasn't played in a long time, but I think I kind of like Philly in this spot, but maybe that's just because Dallas the last couple of weeks feels a little lifeless. Now, I know they were up 27-10 to 10 in that game, but part of the reason you can come back on them because you can score. I mean, this was a team that, 
their defense felt like the Niners, Denver, them, and they are a shell of themselves right now. So I, I just do not trust Dallas. I, I couldn't bet on them. Yeah, I took Dallas here reluctantly, but I, I just kind of think knowing the the Eagles coaching staff is, you know, Throw they're the very, game. yeah, I don't, I think that they're, they don't care about this game. They're not going to show anything. That's, I don't, I think Hurts could easily play. And they're saying, look, we're probably going to have to either face Dallas or San Francisco again. And one of the reasons they had so much success in the first meeting, granted they played Cooper Rush, is that Hurts is, Hurts is, athleticism in the read option and just putting, you know, Michael Parsons and whoever's Stopping. on the edge and yeah. just using their aggressism against them. Now, Minshew's not going to be able to do that, and they're going to have to run a different offense here. But, like, I don't think they're going to play Goddard. I wouldn't be surprised if they rest other people. They don't I – don't, I just don't think that they want to get Dallas a second look at their offense. Um, they're just – they want to stay healthy. Dallas would have to win out. I mean, look, look, the Eagles have home games coming up against the Saints – and the Giants, and if Dallas wins out, they just have to win one of those two games. So, yeah, I think that they're punting this game. And then, you know, it's obviously a good buy-low spot on Dallas. Almost lost to the Texans, then they lose to Jacksonville. And now this is like their Super Bowl, playing the Eagles at home. You're going to get an all-out effort from Dallas at home, and then I think you're going to get almost just a lackadaisical vanilla we're not showing anything. We're not going all out. Um, if we're down late, I don't care. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking a little bit of a stab here and how I think this is going to play out. So I don't see a ton of value in the number of Hertz, even if Hertz is out. But, um, yeah, I think, like, the Eagles are almost punting this in a way, which is crazy. So it's going to be the most hyped game of the weekend. And the division is technically yeah. still alive. And you could clinch the one seed with a win. But, um, yeah, I don't think Hertz is playing. And I don't think – Maybe a couple others will, and uh, one team's playing for their Super Bowl, and the other team's just going to say, we have uh, bigger goals to worry about, which is pretty wild. But I, I think that's how it's going to play out. Now, I could be dead wrong. I've had many times before. I'm with but, you. Um, yeah, I think that's how that's how it's going to play. Well, that's what sucks. Like The reality is of the two afternoon games, the Niner-Washington game, there's more on the line, right? The Niners are chasing Minnesota. All it takes for them to slip yeah. up, and Washington's playing for their playoff lives. So... That's a game where both teams are really invested. Like you said, with the Eagles, like they're incentivized to beat the Saints because they own their pick, right? And and the Giant and yeah. with Giants, yeah. we've seen that matchup before. I mean, Jaworski could play quarterback for them, and that'd be a tough matchup for the Giants. So yeah, I, I'm with you. Now, who knows? By then, they might have the number one seed, so they could throw that. But that's a weird spot, right? Because if you throw that game and rest everyone, you're take technically taking 14 days off before you play. And then you let teams like San Francisco, Minnesota, whoever, you know, kind of keep rolling. It's it's kind of a weird spot. We saw historically the Colts do it sometimes in the Peyton Manning era, right? Do you rest people when you have a bye and then you kind of come out slow? Uh, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, but really that Saints game is basically for the one seed. They win that thing. It's over. Yeah. Sirianni, from everything that he said in the past and things that he's done in the past, he's all about he's on the, the health side, like just we want to stay healthy and uh on the flip side i think shanahan came out this week and said he he's on the other end of the spectrum he says look it's you know it's a couple hours on uh, every week and if you start resting guys then um those are the guys that tend to play worse on the, your first playoff game and come out rusty yeah. so um yeah it'll be it's it's interesting you know the the one the one argument in favor of taking the the rest route is that if you do get an injury to a key player, that is will kill you, and it is still up in the air. But I do think that uh, I would prefer to at least. Yeah, I, would crush you know, you. I think just from anecdotally, I've seen teams that don't rest fare better overall. Um, but um, you can make an argument for either way. But I, I think that's the Eagles' approach. But yeah, then yeah, the with the Saints pick too throws another wrench into it. So it's an interesting game theory. Uh, approach by the Eagles. I'm curious to see what they do the rest of the way. If we assume somehow the Giants, you know, just hold and they obviously have the lead position for the sixth seed, who would you place um, your money on to be the NFC seventh seed right now? Seventh seed in the NFC. I mean, I probably like, with odds, I'd probably take the Packers. I I'm ho I'm hoping that week 18 game is the Sunday night winner get in. Jared Goff, Dan Campbell at Lambeau. You know the NFL would That'd be a lock. The Jags game, no chance. Tennessee would get that spot. 
And I think there's one other game, Jets even in Miami. There, there was no way that Aaron Rodgers, if it's a winner get in game, would not get Sunday night, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, because look, the Lions are playing well, and it, it could come down to that game. But Aaron Rodgers at home, it's probably going to be like, you know, f- five degrees, um, freezing, <laughs> which isn't great for golf. But uh, yeah, the only thing is, if there's another game, another NFC Wild Card game that could with another team that could get in, then you have to play them at the same time. And then the game that'll probably get flexed is um, Ravens Bengals, which would be, it's most likely going to be for the division. True. Assuming the Ravens beat the Falcons and Steelers at home the next two weeks. But yeah, it's look, Washington's are, is at San Fran now this week. They're now talking about bringing Carson Wentz back in. So you assume that's a loss and um, yeah, it's going to come down to if, if Green Bay can take care of business in Miami this week, the NFC is going to get really interesting. But I think the NFC will be much two two teams that I really want to see get in. I want to see the Jags get in. And look, if Tennessee loses, I mean, they're only a four point favorite at home against the Texans this week now. It looks like Tannehill is going to be out. But even if, if they win that game, if they lose next week to um, to Dallas and Jacksonville just goes one and one over the next two weeks, then that week 18 game is for the division and the Jacks will play Houston next week. Yeah. So yeah, I'd like this. I mean, the, the Texans, I mean, the Titans just have so many injuries that I, in the, and the Jags are trending up and I'd like to see them get in. And then I'd like to see either Lions or Packers get in um, over Washington or the giants. I just think that those teams could potentially give some of the higher seeds a, a bigger fight. I, I I definitely agree. Well, Stucky, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, have a good weekend, uh, enjoy uh, some booze, some family, and I will talk to you next week. Yeah, Merry Christmas and uh, Happy Holidays, and good luck on all your wagers. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage. The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Yokohama test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, let's answer a couple quick mailbag questions. Add John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Easy to get answered here on the show. We'll go quick. Don't want to keep this podcast too long because we got family. We got presents to wrap. Wanted to thank you for uh, making my delivery job less boring. I appreciate it. Jimmy, it's been no secret that Colin has done a big part of getting more listeners, and I appreciate him picking you up on the volume. Just wanted to know how you originally got on his radar and what would you suggest to young people that want to get noticed by more famous people in order to further their career. Thanks. Uh, we met through Twitter. Uh, this was back when Twitter, I think, was probably easier to just have normal interactions. My guess would be probably 2013 or 2014. I used to go on his radio show on ESPN. Um, yeah, we just kind of met that way. And I, I started doing a podcast for him well before the volume. So I, I was doing a podcast for him starting in 2018. Uh, I came up with a name. It was you know his idea. He's like, you want to do one? I said, sure. And then he's like, yeah, just do it. And we just started doing it. Uh, but yeah, I just met him through social media. I think it's probably a little more difficult that way. Now, granted, like 
At the time, I had just left the NFL, so I was former NFL scout. He's buddies with Andy Reid. Like, there were some connections there, you know, to, like, make me more credible, probably, in his world. Um, but I, I don't... My, my advice always is, is to LinkedIn DM people or Instagram DM people. I, I, I would be aggressive in the DMs. I, I think that's the best way to, uh, to approach it. Why does MVP not actually go to the most valuable player? It goes to who the media wants the stories around, right? I would argue Herbert has been the most valuable player this year. Chargers have been the most injured team. Herbert has been a top five passing leader all season, currently number two behind Mahomes. And not a single Chargers receiver is in the top 20 in yards. He is less than a competent head coach, and an OC has now set up the Chargers to be in the playoffs and is a wildcard team that is no division leader wants to face. If not Herbert, then I would say it's Tyree Kill, who has to be super valuable to the Dolphins or maybe Nick Bosa, who has been the most dominant individual in my mind. But none of the three will even be in consider in the conversation. Yeah, I, I think what the MVP and the Heisman Trophy has become is basically the best quarterback on one of the best teams. And that's why it's going to be Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, or Patrick Mahomes. And now with Jalen injured, it's going to be one of those two guys. And obviously, every single year, it's going to be the Alabama quarterback, the Ohio State quarterback, the USC quarterback, the Georgia quarterback. Like, that's just... It's no longer going to be anything else but those guys. Eddie George is never winning the MVP again. It's just, it, it, I, I'm, I'm with you. I wish it would be more open-ended. At least in the NBA, like seven, eight guys have a chance to get it. Now it's different because they all play like the star player, which is the equivalent of the quarterback. But like Giannis could get it. Jokic could get it. Steph could get it. Kevin Durant could get it. You know, if Anthony Davis could just stay on the court, maybe he could get it. But in football, it's like, yeah, it's going to be one of the top two or three quarterbacks on a team that wins 13-plus games. I, I hear you. I don't like it much either. Big fan of the pod. I was looking at news articles on bowl-bound Pac-12 teams and saw they had a good amount of players entering the transfer portal. But they weren't just freshmen complaining about playing time like usual, but actual high-quality starters. It seems like with the development of NIL and lack of transfer regulations – the NCAA low to mid-tier programs are now talent farms for bigger programs. Is there really any chance for smaller programs to win if this continues to happen? I don't know. You know, I I went to Rivals because today's signing day and looked at the transfer portal. I think you see a lot of things going both ways. You see guys from Alabama going to lesser schools. I saw a guy transfer... I think from Alabama went to Kansas. I, I might have it messed up, but I, I think you saw some of those. Clemson goes to UCLA. I, I, a guy left Oregon to go to the University of Arizona. I think a lot has to do, one, with money, and two, new coaches. Sometimes schemes don't fit the guy. So I don't think all the guys that are leaving Pac-12 schools are NIL. I think some of them are simply new coaching staffs. We have a lot of new coaches, right? Dan Lanning's new uh, obviously, Washington and Washington State have new coaches. Arizona, Jed Fish is relatively new. Arizona State has a new coach. Coach Prime's new. Uh, Lincoln Riley's new. So I, I think that plays a bigger role. That sometimes, sometimes when you see a guy transfer, obviously you're going to have guys that just get paid, right? If I'm a really good player and a big school wants me, I'll go there, I'll get paid, and I'll try to become a better NFL draft prospect. But I think like Justin Flo, who's transferring from Oregon to Arizona. I just don't think Oregon wanted him. And a couple years ago, he was one of the bigger recruits Mario got. So I, I think it. I think we underestimate, and I'm sure some of these guys are going to leave Colorado. Dion's going to tell them, you're never going to play here, dog. It's over. Leave. But in college, unlike the NFL, I can't cut you. Like, I just can't cut you if you aren't, if you are academically eligible. So if you're in good academic standing, I have to write it out if you want to stay. Now, I don't have to play you, but I, I have to honor your scholarship. So that, that's where it gets a little complicated, where you hope you can just kind of shame them, you're never going to play here, and they'll naturally leave. But I, would, I wouldn't overestimate the, the guys at smaller schools, like a guy at Washington State transferring just because of the money. It, sometimes it might just be because of coaching. Because if you're a human being, you probably got some close friends on the team. Now, there is a level if Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, those schools call, it's hard to turn them down, right? If you're at a quote-unquote mid-tier Power 5. But I think all these situations do not fall under the same umbrella. Okay, I'll get to the last question. 
Love the show. Haven't missed an episode. I appreciate it. My question in regarding to your take on Brady potentially leaving Tampa and going to another team. If he does leave and chooses not to retire, why would he go to the Raiders? The AFC is top to bottom way more talented, especially him going up against Herbert and Mahomes twice a year. And even if he does make the playoffs in that division, you have the Bengals, Ravens, Bills to worry about. Wouldn't the NFC make more sense, especially given the uh, most of the playoffs team... Uh, Likely, uh, let me rephrase that. Especially given that he most likely will make the playoffs with a losing record this year and host a playoff game. I don't see him as a guy to shy away from a challenge, but I think one reason he stayed in Tampa an extra year is because he looked down the NFC and saw a promising path to a Super Bowl run. Okay, you bring up a good point. The connection to the Raiders was simply Vegas, money, and Josh McDaniels. So they run the offense, which obviously matters to Tom. I heard someone bring this up. I forget too. What about the New York Giants? What about next year, Brian Dayball, the New York Giants? Like you said, NFC much more wide open. That team, now they would need to add some weapons, uh, but the Jets, even though it would actually make sense, right? The team is really good. Would he do that to Robert Kraft? Feels like he wouldn't. And I wonder if the Giants, you know, his kids there, now that he has a divorce, a little more complicated with all the other kids, um, to me, the pushback, if he doesn't go to Vegas, is he doesn't want to come west because he's so far away from his, his kid, I think Jack, that lives in, in New York. Uh, and once the one thing Vegas has that he's gotten used to, and I'm, I can't imagine when you're used to paying high taxes and then you pay zero income tax, Vegas would also be pretty intriguing there. But I, I think Josh, I think it's pretty well documented through our eyes, through stories. Like Him and Josh are pretty close. And I think the bumps in the road this year offensively, he's going to want someone that knows what he's doing offensively. Josh McDaniels, Brian Dayball. It's the knock on Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's offense does demand some movement. Now, you don't need to be Kyler Murray, but you have to do boots and waggles and nakeds, like where you fake the handoff and scramble back the other way and throw on the run. That ain't Tom. Now, you know me. I'm like, hey, coaches, you got to figure it out. At 46 years old, I like, listen, we were all wrong. I shorted Brady three years ago, like Kyle Shanahan did, like a lot of teams did. Or excuse me, I, I, I shorted, yeah, shorted Brady like all those guys did. I would probably short him again this time. Like, it's over. And if he has one good season, so be it. But I'm not changing my entire offense for a 46-year-old. That's just, Adam Vinatieri played at 46. He's a kicker. Like, this is, this is, it's, I see uh, a below average player. Now, you can argue the offensive line, oh, fine. And I think Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time, but athletically, he doesn't want any part of getting hit. I don't blame him. Who wants to get hit at 45 years old? Uh, I, I would shy away. I, I would say the Giants, I kind of go back and forth. I think he might retire, but then sometimes maybe he won't retire. Who knows? I mean, I, I have no clue. But he's clearly going to leave Tampa. The only question is, if he does stay, where does he go? Probably a short list of places, right? I would say Vegas would be one. I would say the Giants would clearly be interested. I would imagine the Jets would be interested as well, even though they also run the Shanahan offense. But can they really, if Tom Brady wanted to come to the Jets, the Jets wouldn't have a choice. They'd have to sign him and figure it out. Appreciate everyone listening. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, even though I'll talk to you before the New Year. And uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. Enjoy your family. Talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.